from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Thursday, Silver Sevens. Much to get to. VGK with a do or die game tonight. We'll get into that. That's a six o'clock start over on our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. It's Cofield. Adam Candy is in as a company back in our Finley Toyota studios. It's Ari. We're at Silver Sevens. Happy hour has begun. 277 on many of the drinks at two different bars. We're at the Bud Light Lounge. Across the way is the Silver and Gold. And of course, over there as well, the William Hill Racing Sportsbook. You can get in on VGK game tonight. All the baseball. And once the hockey game starts, beers drop to 77 cents on Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. Candy, what's up, buddy? Oh, it's time to party, Steve. It is time <laughs> to party. You're at the Silver Sevens. We got a huge VGK game coming tonight. I am ready to do this. It's springtime, baby. April is the best sports month there is. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Well, rest assured on this show, there will be some fit of anger at some point in the next three hours. I'm not sure who will be throwing something, but that basically happens every day. Which brings us to the Hornets game last night in the NBA. We've got no NBA tonight. It's all set for tomorrow. Do or die situation in the play-in tournament. First of all, Hornets blown off the floor. And we had a temper tantrum. Another one, Candy. We talked about Kyrie Irving acting like an ass last week when he turned around in the tunnel. He thought someone said something to him. Well, they did, but he went after the wrong person and then kind of apologized and then explained, well, I know what it's like in New York and New Jersey. You know, they're rough fans here, but you still overreacted. And last night it was Miles Bridges who got tossed from the game and then whipped some mouthpiece into the crowd. Come on, bro. If ever there were a situation where you can try to explain it away, look, he gets ejected. It's clearly the end of their season. Like, all of the things in there line up with you might have an emotional reaction, which is all the more reason that he and security both need to be really aware of the fact that he might have an emotional reaction. Was there a dude hanging over the railing heckling him? Yup, there was. So why did the security only walk up to the guy after... Miles Bridges whipped his mouth guard into the crowd. None of that is to absolve him. It was a petty reaction, but it was a predictable petty reaction given the circumstances. Yeah, it's a story that will follow up, a theme that we'll follow up on later in the hour with Xavier Pope as the relationship between Dodger security and fans seems a bit frayed on multiple occasions. So we'll build on this, but... Uh, Bridges did apologize. He apologized profusely and said he's got to keep his emotions in check. And he said, you know, especially hitting a little girl, that's terrible. I like to right my wrong, so I apologize for sure. That's a good thing. And uh, as I said, we've got Atlanta, Cleveland, New Orleans Clippers going at it tomorrow. Tonight in town, 6 o'clock start. Check that out of town, but in town story. 6 o'clock. You know, it's funny, for the last two weeks, Candy, maybe others on the show talked about the quality of the schedule and a lot of winnable games, and the Knights have had trouble winning all these games, and now they're put in a position where they go on the road at Calgary, 
and at Edmonton, and there's really no margin for error? No, there's none whatsoever. I mean, this is the most important road trip of the season, and very honestly, Steve, Golden Knights didn't look the part in Vancouver. They got a couple of early sort of scrappy goals where you throw it in front and get a bounce. Hey, however you can score when you're this team. And then they had to come from behind at the very last second just to get one point out of Vancouver, and they end up losing the game. So here we are in Calgary, the surprise winner of the division, and the Golden Knights have Calgary and Edmonton in the next two games. We can't say enough that this is do or die, right? Because we've been living do or die with the Golden right. Knights for the last three weeks now. But the quotes from Jonathan Marchessault today, I thought were exactly what this team needs to hear. He said, there's no excuse. We have 20 guys on this roster who all have to bring their A game tonight. This is a game we have to win. And I know it can all sound like bluster after a while, but good for Jonathan Marchessault. Good for guys not just saying, eh, yep, yep, we got to just go and do what we can. We got to just go out there and every night, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not where you are right now. You are in, hey, I know that we still have another eight games on the schedule, but a game like this we can't lose because everybody's getting all excited that the Kings are in dire straits right now as they've been losing and losing. Go ahead and look at the Kings' schedule. They don't play another playoff team the rest of the year. Oof. Not a good setup, but BGK put itself in this position. I like that you pointed out Marcheseau being blunt about the whole thing. You know, we talk often on the show about facts versus excuses. How do you think this one comes off? Pete DeBoer. We're putting some fresh bodies back in, but also some guys who haven't played in a long time. Timing and things like that are an issue, but we don't have time to figure that out. We're at the end here, so we've got to get the job done. Facts, or does that come off like an excuse? I'll take it from Pete DeBoer because Pete DeBoer has been very straight with us for most of his time in Vegas when it comes to calling out his team, right? Pete DeBoer doesn't give you that sort of Aaron Boone with the Yankees sunniness, everything's always great. Uh, but what he gave us in this instance sounds a lot like John Gruden, right? John Gruden will always used to say, I'm not going to make any excuses, then spend 30 seconds making excuses, and then say, but we can't make any excuses. DeBoer really hasn't done that, so I'll call this one facts. I don't think this is an excuse from Pete DeBoer. Mark Stone himself said it. Mark Stone, in his first game back against Vancouver, said after the game, yeah, my lungs weren't there at all. Like, I couldn't be on the ice for any length of time. Giveaway time early in the show. Caller 7364-1100. We're giving away a $50 gift card to Vegas Sports and Hockey now open in uh, the Centennial, uh, Centennial area. You also qualify to win the big grand prize for the draft, which includes a two-night stay right around the draft on the 28th and 29th of this month at the TI dinner at Gillies during the draft, 364-1100. Caller 7 gets the $50 gift card. It's Vegas Sports and Hockey, 5770 Centennial Center Boulevard. It's right there between Total Wine and Planet Nissan. Call now. Your prize is waiting. Ari's got it, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Here's the 1-0. Swung on, there it goes. Deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught at the wall, caught by Tapia. Boy, I thought that was gone. 
It's time for Coach Joe Knows on ESPN Las Vegas. That was a good call by John Sterling. Really, in the end, it's Stanton's fault, posing. He made it look like a home run, Candy. He made it look like a home run. John Sterling is 83 years old. I'll leave it there. That, too. And I'll, I'll take up some defense for him. Um, it is actually hard to see at a lot of these stadiums. We'll leave it at that. Okay? Joe Esposito's with us, the coach. What's up, Joe? Not much, man. My Mets are off to a good start. That's what I'm happy about. I know. I made sure to play a Yankee highlight for you there just to – I yeah, was going to say rub it, rub it in, but you have nothing to be jealous of because you've got the richest hunter in baseball now. We sure do. we got some players. I mean, I think they're going to look pretty good this year. I mean, I, I'm pretty impressed. They even, made, they even made me go out there and buy that MLL, MLB package. Really? Look at you. I, I can't, can't wait. I just love the Mets, man. I've been a Mets fan my whole life. And mainly the reason is because my grandfather and my uncle and my dad, they all like the Yankees, so I wanted to be different. Joe Esposito's with us. So I was around a bunch of Kansas fans for the Final Four, and, you know, that team had an interesting look, and we haven't had a chance to talk about Kansas winning the national title um, since. Is there anything to be weaned from Kansas winning in terms of roster building? Because that was a, a veteran team, and they had guys who actually were there for the long haul in uh, Baji and McCormick, do people have to look at the Kansas program and go, you know, we need to grow older together, and then how do you do that? Yeah, you know, I think that's something now that seems to be happening. The the trend right now is get old and stay old ever since that portal started moving. And, and when you look at the demographics of college basketball, it's been a while since a real young group has won it. If you go back to 2002, three. When Syracuse won it, you know, they had Carmelo Anthony and Billy Eldon, and they had uh, Jerry McNamara, if you remember that group, and Kentucky in 11-12. Remember Anthony Davis and Michael Gilchrist and Marquise Teague? And I could go back to 14-15 with Duke when they had a really young group. That was with Okafor, Winslow, Tyus Jones. And back then, I feel like, you know, you were getting high school players more than you are today. Now, the best high school players in the country – the big boys you're going to get. But the mid-range schools, they're looking at that portal. And just you saw it this year. You saw Villanova's top five scores. Two were grad transfers or grad seniors. Two were redshirt senior and a sophomore and a junior. Kansas had three seniors and a junior in their top five. I mean, and then some of the teams that made that big one, look at Houston. They had four seniors out there. Arkansas had two. Oh, I'm sorry. Arkansas had three. So I think the trend right now is for coaches to first look in the portal to see a kid that's proven himself at the college level, give them some experience, and go with that. And it's sad for high school players right now because they're not really getting recruited as hard and as much as they have in the past. And I even think the attendance is down for some of those events out there across the country. Yeah, I think what we set up now is a wave of high school players having to go to wherever, Division two, three, NAIA, or to the bottom 100 schools in Division one, and then it just builds into that whole transfer portal thing where guys are at a place for a year or two, and then they're looking to move up. Yeah, and I, and I think you're going to see more of that. And, and I think also a lot of these high school kids, and me obviously being in the high school realm right now, you know, these kids are looking at going junior college or going to prep school and trying to take another year and get noticed. Now, when you look at a team like Duke, 
with the class that they've got, they've signed five kids, all top 30, and four of them are five-star recruits. So if you're dealing with a team like that, you're going to get the best high school players and still compete for a national title. But if you're anybody else and you're in that mid-range there, you're going to be fighting all you can do, like the Houston's and the Arkansas, who's all good uh, programs. They're going to get the older players, and they're going to try to go to beat you with experience and beat you with those veterans. And it seemed to work right now, if you think about it. It's been working well. Did you see what Kansas is doing with their barnstorming tour uh, after the title, a way for the kids to make NIL money? Yeah, all, all 18 of them are going. Why wouldn't you, right? And I know they're charging somewhere between 30 and $150 for a ticket, and it's going to be packed, and they're going to get a ton of money, and those kids deserve it. I mean, they went out there and won that national championship in an IL situation now. That's something that you can share. Like, hey, we're going to share this money amongst us all. And then every single team that wins a national championship from here on out knows that they're going to have this opportunity to make that money. And I'm going to tell you, some of these guys, after they leave, leave college, they're going to take a pay cut. Joe, when you look at what it takes to recruit now as a college coach, as a college assistant coach, versus when you were in the game, when it was less about the transfer portal, I always used to hear about, oh, this guy has great connections in California. This guy has great connections in Texas. It feels like with the transfer situation, you have to be able to recruit nationally, right? Like, you got to be able to be on kids from all over the country and have this, you know, sort of a bigger geographical area. Is that the case? I think, I think you're right. And I think one of the things you're going to have to look at now is all about the relationships. You know, coaches that are veterans. I, if, if I'm getting a head Division One job, I'm getting veteran assistant coaches that have those connections because when you look at that portal, you want to have some type of, you know, a connection with that kid somewhere, somehow, whether it was his high school, whether it was his AAU program. And, you know, kids are your best recruiters. And I think you just saw that with Wyoming. You know, Wyoming and, and Coach Linder, the three players he brings in, two from USC and, and one of them being a kid that committed to us at UNLV when we were there, and then another player at UCLA. Those guys played together for years as they were as they were younger players. And, you know, I always said this from the beginning of my career, your best recruiters are your players. And that portal, you're going to have to have some kind of connection. Kids are getting so over-recruited in that portal, it's unbelievable. If you look at these lists – you pull up a kid's name and you look at these lists. It's amazing. Everybody's making that first phone call, that initial phone call. As soon as you make that one phone call, you're going to be on that kid's list. And I think it's just really outrageous. But mainly, I do agree with you that you have to be a national recruiter, somebody that has a lot of connections, a lot of people that they can call in different areas so they can get on these kids in the portal. And don't kid yourself. You know about kids going to the portal before it even happens. I knew of a few kids that were going in the portal in the middle of the season because I knew their parents because I recruited them years ago. And that's the way it's happening. So it's all about connections and relationships. And you talk about having those veteran assistants, Joe, and, and we've seen it with UNLV where Carlin Hartman ends up at Florida and now Tim Buckley leaves for South Carolina, a couple of SEC programs that are bringing in a couple of veteran guys. Uh, it feels like it's going to get that much harder for – you know, the mid-major coaches, staffs to hang on to those guys. Yeah, I think that's what you're seeing. And just like I mentioned, uh, you know, the, the older coaches that are getting these jobs now, and it just seems like you're looking for more of a veteran coach. And, I mean, the days of the, the workout coach and the days of the guy that knows this local area, 
I think they're kind of fizzing away as you're looking at guys working that portal. Um, you know, Kevin loses two really good assistant coaches. I mean, those guys have a lot of experience, both of them. I know both of them well, and I know that they're going to make an impact of where they're, where they're going. But when you look at UNLV, they probably weren't able to pay the same type of salary that they're making in the SEC. And, you know, it's all about right now advancing and trying to get in the right situation and being in a program. You know, those days of being in a comfortable situation where, you know, you like the area and your kids are happy at school, those days are over. Now you're looking at the dollar signs. And what can you do to help your family later on in life with that retirement? Everyone's starting to look at it at a different time now. So I think the, he's not to replace those two assistant coaches with two very good coaches because UNLV is going to need to hit that portal hard. You know, we should mention numbers too, Joe, because you coached around college basketball for a long time, and the assistant coach salaries are going up. And, you know, if UNLV is paying 150 200 250 the SEC can come in, you know, for a – a first or second assistant and be paying, you know, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars or more. There's even there's even assistants out there making a million dollars. And there's a lot of guys getting these rollover contracts, these three year deals. They're getting incentives in there. You know, the, the packages are changing. I remember when I broke into the power five as an assistant, we were just happy if we made the NCAA tournament. We were going to get a month of salary extra. Those days aren't like that anymore. Now they're they're really. Um, spicing up these 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 salaries these these packages to try to get the best assistant coaches they can and people are pulling people from anywhere you see louisville just pulled um the young man from duke yeah noel smith and they pulled him from duke and you know duke's kind of changing now it's not all about the inner family like it was he brought the assistant uh, the head coach from elon onto his staff and and coach k was more of a guy that's going to keep you know, in the family, he wasn't going to go after anybody else that didn't play there or, or his guys. And I think everybody has a different formula to the way they want to do it. But uh, they're going to go after these assistant coaches pretty hard now because everyone knows that it's all about players and players will win it for you. Coach Joe's with us, Joe Esposito, former assistant at UNLV in Minnesota and Texas Tech. It's been all over college basketball. Uh, one name that went into the transfer portal a couple of days ago was Kendrick Davis. And let me tell you, watching college basketball up close, you know, when I was on uh, the UNLV beat as a silent reporter, I thought Kendrick Davis was as impressive in terms of being in control of a game as anyone I saw all year. There, To me, there is no way that guy doesn't land at a national championship level power five or Gonzaga. Yeah, I think he's one of the best ones out there, to be honest with you. I've seen him play a couple times, you know, just his assists and, and, and being ranked nationally and 19 points and a game and, and you know he really shot the ball well um he really shoots it well from in, in, inside the arc i mean he finishes for a small six foot guy but i think he's one of the the better players in there and he's definitely going to land somewhere uh that's going to be a positive you know the kid terry shannon terrence sharon from uh shannon from texas tech's another guy a six a six six guard i mean he could really play as well he, he's made some runs at uh, texas tech and and uh, he's a guy out there. And, and there are a lot of guys out there that you have to be on. The kid from Illinois, Bates at North Carolina State. I mean, all these kids that are out there are available. Um, I even like the Raymond kid from Texas. I, I think that he's a player that can really help somebody down the line, too. So um, you'll start seeing those mid-major kids. You know, the kid at Murray, the K.J. Williams, and, and the kids from um, those type of, you know, mid-majors. The kid Broom from Moorhead, I, I said that. As soon as people saw him block shots like he does, 
I thought that he was going to be a player that's going to get, you know, picked up big time in the portal. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to see some of these kids from Arkansas State and Detroit and, and all these other schools move up to the Power 5 level. Joe, let's close on Gonzaga. I just mentioned him as a you know landing spot for any transfer out there. There's been some discussion the last couple of weeks about, hey, maybe Gonzaga needs to step it up from a schedule standpoint. And the idea has been thrown out. Why can't Gonzaga basketball do what Notre Dame football does and have kind of a loose partnership with a Power 5 conference, a Power 6 conference? I mean, one of them mentioned is the Big East, which to me is ridiculous. It's not a Power 6, and the schools are too far away. But should Gonzaga explore having a partnership with you know someone like the Big 12? I think they should, and I think the – the problem with the, the Big East thing, and it talks about that, where, like you said, it's just a tennis team to fly out to Seton Hall and St. John. It just doesn't make sense. And the missed school time and the expense yeah. of that. And I can see doing something with the basketball program where you're going to fit in some games like Notre Dame does with certain conferences. I think the Big 12 might be the best one at this point. You know, you're losing Texas and, and you're losing Oklahoma. And to throw a Gonzaga on your schedule in January and February, I think that would be a great move for them. And and the WCC really does kill them. I mean, they, you know, they, they're right there. You think they're going to win it and bust people's brackets every year. I just I just think that they got to do something. The problem is the place they should be is the Pac-12, but they can't be because they don't have football. So that really hurts. You know, do they ever make an exception and put them in there because – I don't know if they would ever do that. I doubt that they no, would. No, Joe, but, you know you know, there's a little bit of an arrogance with the Pac-12, some of the schools, and I'm sure they're already annoyed that Gonzaga is infringed on their territory. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, and that's why I don't think you'll ever see them going into the, the this conference where they're right there. But uh, the WCC, the BYU's out of there. I mean, it's going to just keep getting worse, and I, I think that they need to try to find a partnership. And I think the Big 12 – you know, I think somebody like that would be a good move for them. It's more of a Midwest area. You know, they're not going to have to go all the way out east like the Big East. But I do agree that Gonzaga needs to do something and figure out a plan here if they want to get their program to where they want to get it to a national title. Joe, good spot. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Happy Easter to you guys. There he is. Joe Esposito, the coach with Cofield and company. Another giveaway here. Let's uh, give some tickets out. For Jimmy Buffett coming up in October, he added a second show. He's playing on uh, October 8th and October 15th. Tickets go on sale for the October 15th show on Friday, AXS.com. But Ari's got the ticket window open right now. Two tickets to see Jimmy Buffett in October at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. 364-1100, Caller number seven. Enjoy 77-cent Bud Light bottles during Vegas Golden Knights games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Yeah, I won't get into specifics between me and Doug and, and exactly. I think that's a little bit uh, intimate in regards. I want to keep, obviously, that, that prep. But he came in and did pretty standard operation. Wanted, wanted to talk and said he had you know, interest in, in going to the portal and we had a conversation about it. Obviously, you know, disappointed because I think we've invested a lot there and, and want to be part of our team. And, but again, they he had, uh, had his heart set there, talked to his family apparently, and so those things are going to happen. That's just the, that's the new that's the new era for football. If you guys want to go and test the waters at other places, unfortunately, right now we can't stop. Them. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. The voice of Marcus Arroyo. We'll have more on Doug Brumfield, one of the quarterbacks, maybe the most talented quarterback on the roster 
for UNLV going into the transfer portal yesterday. Uh, had a long conversation today with Coach Arroyo. That's coming up at 4.15. So, Candy, i got to get your reaction on uh, the other big program at UNLV. You know, it's been pretty quiet with the transfer portal. They pulled a point guard out from Duquesne. But they've also lost two assistants. And talk about bad timing. When all this is going on, the frenzy of the portal and trying to build your team, Carlin Hartman's off to Florida. And now we find out just a few hours ago that Tim Buckley is going to South Carolina. Not the easiest times when you're out trying to recruit and compete in the portal. You know, what's interesting, Steve, is we talk a lot about the fact that Kevin Kruger's salary isn't the highest among Mountain West coaches and that after Desiree Reed-Francois gave T.J. Otzelberger the better part of a million and a half, they essentially came in and cut Kevin Kruger to about half of that. Well, that has a trickle-down effect, and it trickles down to the assistants, and when the assistants are making less, it makes it a lot easier for programs like Florida, programs like South Carolina, to come in and poach your assistants, especially when they're veteran coaches who know that their value, as Joe Esposito just told us, has never been at a higher level because of the need to recruit in the transfer portal. So the Rebels need to hit some home runs in the portal as they rebuild the team, replacing Bryce Hamilton. Not going to be easy, a guy who averaged over 20 points a game the last three years. There's a challenge here. And one important thing would be to get Donovan Williams back. He's the leading returning scorer. The media actually named him the sixth man of the year. Very talented player. Tons of upside. If he does come back, hopefully the next couple of years, if he's here for both years, he can remain healthy the entire time. We had Kevin Kruger on yesterday in the 5 o'clock hour. If you missed it, we talked about when Donovan may be making his decision, and I thought what Kruger said was interesting. Donovan, we stayed in communication, and, uh, you know, I think it's it's one of those, I mean, you know Donovan. I mean, he could have a handful of workouts, get some feedback, and decide he wants to go back to college, or he could have a handful of workouts that went really well and feel that he needs to take a chance, and uh, it could come any day. We, we've talked about him being here for to get ready for the foreign trip, and, and the, the sooner he can get here and, and work out with the rest of the guys if he is deciding or leaning towards coming back, um, I think that's something to think about. What do you think of that, Candy? I thought it was a telling answer from Kevin Kruger. Um, he really isn't going to go out there and disparage any of his own players that he brought in. At the same time, when he said he could decide to go back to college, he didn't say come back to the Rebels. He didn't say come back to UNLV. He said come back to college. So it sounds to me like even if Donovan Williams, who is, let's say, maybe, I don't know, five pounds less than me at six foot six, like even if he decides to come back to college, uh, which you think he will, I don't know that it's going to be to UNLV based upon that answer. Although Mike Ramallo reported yesterday speaking to Donovan Williams, and Williams said it was one or the other, UNLV or the NBA. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, right now, I think you say that because you don't want to close the door on your scholarship at UNLV right. when you know that it might not be as easy for you to get something by the time you're done with the NBA draft process. And to Joe Esposito's point that he made about seven minutes ago, Joe mentioned talented players who go in the portal get dozens of calls. It, it, is, it is crazy how many schools now are like, you know, this portal thing allows us to stay old consistently if we can pull good players out who are juniors and seniors. So 
there's no doubt in my mind that he's he's getting calls. Of course he's getting calls. And, again, believe what you're hearing about NBA or UNLV at your own peril, right? Uh, this is a kid who is here for a year and was up and down, hot and cold, but hot enough that if you're a power five that's looking for someone to either come off the bench or maybe be you know, a project guy that you hope to spend mo- one more year with and bulk him up by 20 pounds and get something out of him, I don't think it's any guarantee that the Mountain West hangs on to a kid like that. Allegedly stealing money, skimming from other owners, and now players are pointing out he's taking money from us. We'll talk about how much trouble Dan Snyder is in with Xavier Pope. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Taking money from the owners, this is the type of violation that will make an owner say that another owner needs to lose his mm-hmm. team. That this is the type of violation that will have forced owners to say, get this dude out of here. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Yep, Keyshawn Johnson talking about the allegations swirling around commander's owner Dan Snyder, not only stealing, allegedly stealing money from the other owners, but as Matt Schaub pointed out, former NFL player, uh, players get a cut of that money too. So the entire NFL, if this is proven to be true, is going to be peeved and pissed off. Xavier Pope is with us. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I saw a tweet earlier, and I think this can apply to multiple fronts of what's going on the last couple of weeks. You tweeted out, stop worshiping billionaires. They're not going to give you any money. Yeah, I mean, today was announced uh, that Elon Musk, richest man in the world, uh, his stock is valued over $170 billion in, in Tesla. Uh, offered to purchase uh, 100% of the shares at about 54.20 per share in Twitter. And Elon Musk has fanboys. Uh, people worship him. And we just have a society that just kind of got weird yeah. where people are worshiping billionaires. Um, like they're going to give them a favor or something. I mean, billionaires aren't paying their fair share in taxes, uh, find loopholes. They're pretty good on their own. They don't need average schmucks like you kissing their asses. I like that you called me a schmuck. Um, I know what you're saying, <laughs> but you know, it, it's always amazed me with uh, you know the owners in baseball where people in their you know everyday gig they're like, man, I don't like the owner. They're against me, and then they go to sports and they're like, yep, love the owner. Like they're a boss too. All right, I'm not saying all bosses are bad at Lotus Broadcasting. Wonderful people. Have treated us really well over the years. <laughs> Wonderful people. Let's get let's get to Snyder because now the heat's getting turned up here. Now the government is getting involved on this alleged skimming. Um, why is the FTC involved? Well, initially the Federal Trade Commission was looking into uh, some of the uh, and the House Oversight Committee um, also was they were looking into some of the the practices of the organization that were uh, separate in terms of how they were treating their employees. Uh, and it's uncovered a lot more than that. But, you know, I've been saying this for so a very long time. I've, I've tweeted this last year, Steve. I've been on the show talking about it, and it just seemed really awfully suspicious that the NFL gave a, a debt exemption for Daniel Snyder 
um, to purchase 40% more of the ownership in the team. Um, and just particularly with some of the things he's been doing. And now you see now that he's not been reporting the um, the revenue uh, and holding it out and not allowing for fans to get their money back and refunds. And, and what the, the issue with that, if you're not reporting this revenue, you, you're required to, um, in, in relation with ownership, you have to share that revenue. Uh, and that goes into, and that's what players are concerned is, hey, well, if you are under-reporting revenue, well, you have a, the part of your collective bargaining agreement is the revenue share that re- that players get. So if you're doing that, this is the actually imp- impacting the salary cap and how it's set every, every single league year. And this is basically an impact, not just impacting how much the players get that will be playing for the Washington Commanders. These are across the board. Now, whether it's enough in terms of per player, um, I don't know know whether that it's, it's that impactful, but it's still something to be looked into. I think the NFLPA is still looking into see what its options are, but it's worth looking into be, and and to see what on, what else is there. I mean, this is a this is a, a mess that Daniel Snyder has created uh, right with the Washington Commanders. Xavier, we've seen a lot of talk surrounding this, saying, "Well, now." Mm-hmm. That he's in the other owner's pockets. This is going to be the one that that gets Dan Snyder, and I wonder about that. Uh, that when they close ranks, they close ranks hard, and I feel as though Dan Snyder might also have stuff on some of these other guys as well. If he's really as nefarious as it seems like he is, uh, do, do you think that, in your opinion, that short of criminal charges, that this is going to be enough for Dan Snyder to go? It was already stiffing the other owners that were the, part of the Washington Commanders. Uh, I, I think that this is it. <clears throat> I think that now the government's on him. Uh, now it looks like he stiffed his other the other owners. This is a good old boys club. <clears throat> as long as you follow the rules of the club in terms of how, and treatment in t- terms of the, the other players. But when you're hiding money from the other owners... What you're now doing is bringing more government attention to them because the next step is, okay, Daniel Snyder is hiding money, okay, and he's cooking the book. Who else in the National Football League? So it's not just, hey, we're focused on him, but is there a pattern in practice in the National Football League? If I'm a player, the the first thing I'm thinking, if Daniel Snyder is hiding money, who else is hiding money? And that's what puts Daniel Snyder straight in the crosshairs of NFL owners going, oh, wait a minute. But we don't want our books to be looked at. We don't want any other additional exploration of things we may have said about players and any patterns of practice, our employment as well. He is now in totally out there on an island, I believe. And I think this is the this is the step that's gone too far that puts their financial uh, issues on, on, on display. And I don't think they want any they don't want any of that smoke. Dan Snyder is uh, he's gangster. He's gangster. I'm going to reference that in a second as we're talking to Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I'm going to go in a totally different direction because I was fascinated by this and I was trying to see uh, what you were thinking on this one. Kodak Black was talking about Jada Pinkett and said, come F with Kodak. That's what you need to do because you're on some BS. You don't deserve Will Smith. You deserve Kodak. You deserve me. How did you read that? What was he saying? I read it that Kodak Black is probably never sober. Um, <laughs> sipped a little bit too much lean. Um, the guy 
looks like a Batman villain. I, 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 I can't, you can't trust anything that comes out of his mouth. At the same time, he's also praising Will and how he handled things. I just think that he's just a guy who will get attention wherever, however he can get it. He can say the most obnoxious and outrageous thing, including I'll have your wife after just having a kid. Um, and who gets knocked up by Kodak Black? I mean, God bless him um, and the kid that's on the way. But um, I don't I don't I think that he's his his opinions about, about things aren't hold much weight. Uh, if, if I'm putting it nicely. Yeah. Well, the New York Post loved it. So that's all that counts. And uh, it was a it was an interesting story. Um Totally different direction again. Let's talk protesting. Let's talk pushing back. Um, what did you make of the woman who glued herself, super glued herself to a basketball court because she's mad at Glenn Taylor and uh, his treatment of chickens? Well, um, that is a really interesting protest uh, to super glue yourself to the court. Um, I don't think anyone cares. Um, I'm vegan and I didn't care. Uh, I think that I don't think that that will get anybody's attention because it doesn't seem to. I mean, what 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 did she, what did she expect to happen other than getting kicked out of the game? I mean, I don't, I don't think that she's a, a particularly holding a position that people are really put. I mean, I, I think it's worthwhile how you treat chickens. Um, but um, I think that uh, I think she's a little bit stuffed uh, in terms of what she thinks what people are going to think about it. Um, and that egg is cracked a while, a while ago in terms of that behavior that she exhibited. All right. Another example of pushing back. Um, there's a, a Twitter handle I find really entertaining. It's called at bad legal takes. And there's fascinating <laughs> discussions. There. It is really good. Someone posted a note at their office. The note said effective immediately conversing about wages, both on duty and off duty is strictly forbidden. This is considered proprietary information and as such is protected legally if you are overheard speaking or listening to a conversation in which wages are discussed you will receive disciplinary action up to and including termination i don't think that's legal to post that and in fact i i actually think employees have legal protection am i wrong on this one i mean every office is required to post various signs in relation to the rights that you have as an employee uh, and how to ask questions about them and talk to them with other employees at the job. This is totally out of bounds. I mean, they, and where, even where those signs should be posted so that employees know exactly where they are. And it has to be in, in a very conspicuous place, like a break room, um, like a kitchen so that, that it's a place that, you know, employees congregate. So this goes directly to the heart of why those rules exist in the first place is so that employees when in a place that they meet and have conversations, they can talk about this stuff. Um, that employer is trash. Should someone, one of the employees actually get an attorney and push back or is it uh, not worth absolutely. it? Okay. Yeah, it, no, they, they should. I mean, I think that it's worth that that should be the first place that that's thinking about the power of the the labor force at that job and any place that's any place that's going to put you in a position like that yep. have 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 trash for a boss yeah and and we're in an era now the great resign where people are complaining employers are complaining they don't have anyone to hire why would you want to work 
at a place like that. By the way, I also saw another funny comment. If salary info is proprietary, am I allowed? It said on duty or off duty. Am I allowed to share my salary with the IRS? It's proprietary information. <laughs> That's. I mean, you better be sharing your salary with the IRS. <laughs> right, well, I, get, I, I get to imagine if you turn around, you're like, my company said I can't discuss it. I can't <laughs> disclose it anywhere. What do you mean? I'm in trouble. Uh, Candy, I want to uh, close on this really important story. The story about Dodger security um, with repeated incidents against fans, and fans are now pushing back. Candy, intro the story. So there's a lawsuit alleging three very specific instances of physical violence and harassment by Dodger Stadium Mm -hmm. security guards, uh, including a woman getting beaten up pretty mercilessly. Uh, Mm -hmm. What sort of proof has to be there for this to have any chance of of succeeding Xavier and and what sort of responsibilities do the Dodgers have to the fans to clean up the security and they have a responsibility to fans to keep them safe uh, and uh, and also from themselves and from security I, I think that it's important um, that in their that they sh- have shared responsibility um, with with stadium security to be able to do that. I, I think it's disgusting to be able to attack a woman when they're, they just, they're just there for the game. Um, now I've been at Dodger stadium. That place can get pretty rowdy. Uh, and, I've, and I've been there for a giants Dodgers game, which has been the, the route. That's the rowdiest experience I've ever had in the game. Um, people were throwing batteries at Barry Bonds and, and out from the bleachers. That was insane to see that people were fighting left and right, but nothing, nothing should be in a position and, for a stadium to beat up someone, uh, and they do have the responsibility to uh, to make sure that they are treating people with dignity and respect. And the amount of proof that should be is there, you know, it could be any bruises that be, may be shown by that particular individual. The, their testimony um, that is there um, is is basically well, um, you, that puts you in a position, obviously, where it's your word versus theirs. Any stadium camera that can be turned uh, in terms of uh, looking at anybody in that in, in that particular incident. What's happened that could be uh, in t- subpoenaed in terms of uh, or being part of some discovery vehicle to be able to put out what's there. So there are a variety of different ways to be able to acquire proof of what has happened. But a pattern and practice of a team of stadium security beating up fans is absolutely disgusting. Xavier, last 30 seconds here. What do you got going on on Suit Up News? Suit Up News, we're talking about this weekend and what's going on. Um, the latest in uh, the Washington Commanders uh, and the impact on this in the sports world. Uh, we got a new episode dropping this weekend. Uh, go to Xavier Pope, E-X-A-V-I-R-P-O-P-E, and check out the latest episode. Xavier, thank you. Have a good weekend. You too, guys. Love there you. There he is. Xavier Pope, we love you too. Our uh, buddy out of Chicago, attorney, host of Suit Up News, and our legal and cultural contributor, Right here on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, 4 o'clock hours on the way. Good discussion about the transfer portal. So we'll have some of our conversation today with Marcus Arroyo, the head coach of the Rebel football program, as yesterday Doug Brumfield went into the portal, uh, arguably the most talented quarterback on the roster. I was out there this morning watching the guys throw, so we can talk about that a little bit as well. But before that, we got one of the biggest – Coaches in college football talking about NIL and what's happening with recruiting, saying, I don't think what we're doing right now is a sustainable model. So stick around, find out who. I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy there.